Amen, everybody. Let's, uh, let's take a moment just to give the Lord thanks one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. One, one I want to thank you that it's cool in the sanctuary, Lord. It feels wonderful. Thank you for natural air conditioning this morning. Lord, thank you for uh, just so many people that have come out and praise you uh, and worship together this morning. That's a blessing uh, to have my brothers and sisters with me this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when we worship you, we worship you in many different ways. We worship you in song. We've done that. We worship you in service when we serve serve others, Lord. So we've done this to the least of those you've done unto me. Lord, we, we serve you through our giving. Lord, we also serve you through, through your word. And so, Lord, the scripture says, book of Hebrews, that the, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword that penetrates bone and marrow. Lord, we pray that your word would penetrate us this morning. We pray that your word would, would speak to us this morning, that we would be changed this morning, that you, we would hear the word and then we would apply it to our lives. Lord, we pray that you would have your way, as it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So Lord, you do your work. We pray that we would receive and respond. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are coming to the end of the book of Philippians. And uh, we are going to start chapter 4 this, this morning. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll be finishing up the book. And um, that's a blessing, guys. I, I, I have this privilege for me to preach through a book. I've not had the opportunity to do that before. So very thankful for that. Thankful for Doug and Bob and others that we've gone through this together. So that's a blessing. Uh, so today, this morning, we're going to focus on Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. And I titled this passage, True Peace. True Peace. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about unity this morning. And one of the things that I thought about, even as I thought about unity, is unity in the, the big C church, not just Uptown Baptist Church, but the church at large. And I've seen that happen a number of times in our community. And I want to share what's happening in my life right now. But one of the times that I saw it really happen in our community really was through tragedy. And that's unfortunate. It shouldn't have that tragedy to happen, but sometimes that's what happens. But a number of years ago, um, I don't know if it's four or five years now, I've lost track of the, the date, but it really was this time of year, Pastor, I think it was in August, uh, there was a shooting in the Monday Night Meal, and Pastor was back there by the sound room, he heard, heard the gunshots, I remember because I was, I was with my kids up in Great America, and I heard about it um, afterwards, I couldn't believe it actually happened, and there was a drive-by, and several people, I believe, were shot, and if you go outside, there's a, there's a there's a metal object you see, you might even see the bullet holes still in there. Uh, but there was a fatality. There was a young man that was shot and died that day. Some people didn't even come back to the meal after that. But I remember Pastor was being interviewed. I think it was even BBC. I, I, there's people that came. That might have been that violent summer that we were having, similar to this one. And you know, they interviewed him and he spoke, and, and then all the churches 
came together. Churches in our community, we have uh, Missio Day right down the street. We have Uptown Covenant that uh, messed with our name, but we let that go. Uh, I have to keep working on that bench. Um, we have Anglican Church down the street, um, Emmanuel. And they, they came in other churches from other communities because we were devastated as a church. And we needed lifting up. I don't know if you know that scripture in the Old Testament where the, the, the Israel was were fighting the Amalekites and Moses was holding up his arms and as long as he had his arms up, um, they were winning the battle, but when he would get tired, they start losing the battle. And I, I believe they might have even sat him in a chair, put his, put, his, put his hands up, and they were holding his hands up. And, and what I'm saying is our church needed our hands held up because we were hurting. And the church came together. And that was a beautiful thing. That needs to continue. I, I, I wish I could tell you that's continuing. It, it's a work in progress. We have to continue to work it. But one of the ways it's continuing for me in this time is when I came on as, as interim pastor here, uh, it just so happened, uh, I don't want to say coincidence, but there's no coincidence, right? But Nathan Carter and Brian Price with our IBSA, um, Brian actually helped us through the search process, they started a pastor's group. And it happened to be the pastor's group was right when staff meeting was. But guess where it, guess what? There's no staff meeting anymore to get in the way of it. And so I started meeting with these brothers every Wednesday at 9 o'clock, and it was the highlight of my week. And the reason I talk about this is because the church is coming together in that meeting. And there's never a week that goes by, or hardly a week that goes by, that one of us is dealing with something where we need lifting up by the group. And I, I had a pastor this week, uh, he's an African-American pastor, um, he's, it's, it's funny how God puts us in strange places, right? I think he's out, he's in Hoffman Estates of all places. Um, that's not, that's not, that's not African-American community per se, okay? And, uh, but that's where he's pastoring. And he's standing in the gap to speak about racism and, and, and the bigger picture of what's going on in our city. And so this past week was a really rough week because, you know, last Monday or last Sunday night, Monday we had looting in the city. And it was terrible. It was wrong. And we can all agree on that. And so they wanted to talk to him about that. And he was like, I, I'm good with talking about that, but I want to talk about to you about the bigger picture, about what's going on. And they didn't want anything of it. And so he came to us and he asked, and he says, guys, I need your prayers because... I'm having a hard time standing in this post. God's telling me to stand firm, but, but I'm getting ready. I, just, I can just preach my message in my church. I don't need this. And, and we began to encourage him because God obviously has called him for this. He's put him in that position. But he needed us to lift up his hand. So, you know, the church, yeah, so that's just a big picture of unity. God bringing the church together. And we just encouraged him this week. Other pastors called him and and that's what we're going to be talking about. So the thing this morning that Christians are called to unity for the sake of the gospel. And, and we're going to touch again on the theme of the book. Um, give you a little context. So commitment to an enthusiasm for the gospel of Christ is the theme which runs throughout the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 calls Christians to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. So today we're going to look at chapter 4 of this book. And one of the key issues that is addressed in chapter 4 is how do we relate to one another in the family of God when there's conflict? 
And there is conflict sometimes in the body of Christ. How do we maintain a strong unity with one another? And another key issue that we're going to touch on as well is how can we find peace in the midst of the storms of life? If ever we need to hear that, we need to hear that today. Amen? So we're going to start with verse 1. And if you could read along with me. The word reads, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal Yopal, to help these women who contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. We'll stop there. Paul starts out with telling them and reminding them, as he talked about in chapter 3, to stand firm in the Lord. To stand firm. And he, he talked about that back in chapter 3. He talked about false teachers, right? He talked about those that were in the circumcision of the flesh. And he says, these are evil doers. These are, your circumcision is one of the heart. Our circumcision is that of the heart. And he says, you've got to stand firm. You've got to imitate me so that you don't get caught up in the false teaching. How many of you know that there's false teaching out there today that can drag you away? I've seen Finch drag away. And so Paul is reminding him, stand firm in the Lord. And he talks about them because of my joy and my crown. And then right off the bat, after that, we see that Paul is addressing an important issue in the church. We have two believers, Yodi and Sintiki, that are in conflict with each other. And we see Paul affirm them as women and recognizing that they played major roles in the spread of the gospel. And they labored alongside them. And with this in mind, Paul sees this conflict as a serious concern, and he is pleading with them. He's actually begging them to agree with each other in the Lord. He even goes so far as to ask assistance from a third party. He says, I need a little help to resolve this conflict. That's how important this issue was. And so these co-workers of Paul were believers that were otherwise mature. So you can be mature and be a conflict, okay? That can happen. But we see that Paul's words are that even mature Christians can sometimes have deep disagreements and their relational difficulties can affect the entire church. And Paul tells them, agree with each other in the Lord. So, so what does it mean to agree with each other in the Lord? Well, he isn't saying that the women have to have the same opinion. Being of the same mind is not the same as being of the same opinion. Unity doesn't necessarily equal uniformity. In the same way, we don't have to agree here on everything in DPC. We really don't. But we need to be able to what? Disagree agreeably. There's a way to disagree and still be in unity. It's okay not to agree on everything. I'll let you know in a secret. In everyday life and even within our church, disagreements are inevitable. I'll say it again. Disagreements are inevitable. If you're married, you know, disagreements are inevitable, okay? It's going to happen. But you work through it. And if you can't say amen, say out, all right? Ouch. We work at unity. We work at unity. Now listen to this. We work at unity by being open to disagree. It's okay to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. I'm going to use an example here. Uh, you know I'm going to call them out. And I'll call them out in a good way, though. But Elder Doug has been doing a wonderful job with our pastoral search committee. For those that don't know, we've been continuing on in the midst of COVID. And uh, this guy, 
I mean, he's driving the whip. He said, you got it, we're beating, we're beating, you know, there's no stopping and beating. So he's continuing on. I, I say that as a phrase because a lot of search teams stopped in the midst of this situation, you know, because it's difficult to do our task, and there's some challenges with it, but he's continued on. But one of the things he said recently in a meeting really stood out to me. He said disagreements, and we're getting a little closer to where we're going, he said disagreements on the pastoral search committee are inevitable. And then he read this document. These aren't, these aren't his words, it's from the document, because grammar's a little weird here. It says, life ain't no exact science, okay? And, and what he's saying is we have different tastes and preferences on the team. And so some of us are going to like certain other candidates more than we like others. And that's just natural. And he said we, 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 we need to use words to edify each other, to build each other up. And uh, he said another saying he read, and I've seen this on a t-shirt. Uh, I wish more people wore this t-shirt. It says, it's nice to be nice. Don't you wish people had that shirt that would live that out? It's nice to be nice. And so, you know, we need to work at unity by being open to disagree. And then God's going to bring us to that person. And he's going to call. But he wanted us to know it's okay to have different opinions, to work through that together. And he's done a marvelous job of hearing from the whole team. You know, he goes around the whole room and, and makes sure that everybody is heard if we have something to say. Now, I'm going to come to our church because it, it speaks directly in our church. UBC... For those of you that knew, you'll find this out. We are a diverse group, a diverse body. Diversity is actually one of our core values as a church. And it's, it's a big part of the beauty of Uptown Baptist Church. But at the same time, diversity is one of our greatest challenges. Okay? It really is. Uh, it stretches many of us, and it can easily lead to conflict. Diversity is challenging even from the place of it, because... You're preaching to some people that are far along in their walk and others that are new in their walk. And so you've got to be able to speak to both. And so you have to have a lot of flexibility to be part of a diverse body such as UBC. We have a saying in our church, we say, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. You have to be flexible. Otherwise you'll be like a lot of the trees if you look around the community that snapped and broke. And, and you, it will break you if you're not flexible. And, and so that's that reality is, is, is that our, we have opinions and views, and, and many times those opinions and views must take my, of, of our mindset, uh, must take a bite back seat to our mindset of humility and our commitment to oneness. And so sometimes we have to put those things aside. Why, why, why is Paul saying it's so important? I'll tell you why. Because our witness and the spread of the gospel is at stake. Our witness and the spread of the gospel is at stake. When you see when there is conflict within the church, two things can happen. It can divide the church, and we can lose sight of our mission. We've been there as a church. We've been through seasons where we've had a lack of unity, where we've had conflict. And I can tell you, it's affected our witness in the community. Because they're watching us. And sometimes they watch and they read and they don't get all the information right to find out what's going on behind it. But they just know that's not supposed to happen in the church. And that might cause somebody to walk away from Christ, right? And so that's why it's so important. And so it can divide the church. We can lose sight of our mission. So what's our mission? Our mission is to make disciples, right? Amen? We are to share the gospel. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are to share the gospel, leading others to faith in Christ, and then training them up in the Lord. 
That's our job. The problem is when we're engulfed in conflict, one, it sucks all your energy, right? You ever been in a conflict? It just sucks all your energy. It's hard to focus on the things you're supposed to focus on. We lose focus on our mission. And that's why Paul is addressing this issue in this passage. I'm going to share a little story um, about my son. And, you know, he, Matthew, uh, he said he's going into his junior year at DePaul University. Proud of him. Um, but when he first went there, we were looking for a college for him. One of the key things that we were looking for was that they had a solid Christian ministry, campus ministry. And it so, just so happened a friend of mine that moved back to the city. I used to work with him when, back when I was working in sales before I came to the pastorate. He got in touch, base, in touch with me. His daughter went to that school. And she told me about a ministry called Crew, uh, which used to be called Campus Crusade. They said they've got a great Christian ministry. And I have to tell you, Matthew went to college. One, one he was ready to go, okay? <laughs> he was ready. He was ready to, to fly out of the nest. I mean, he was gone. But he got connected in the crew. And he grew a leaps and bounds in that first year of his walk with the Lord. I mean, he was growing the leaps and bounds. But as you know, nothing is static, right? So his sophomore year, things changed because all the leaders graduated in his freshman year. He wasn't quite ready to leave. Was a, last year was a much more difficult year. But one of the things that happened to him and was difficult was, even as the group was coming together, there was a conflict between two people within the group. And it was starting to affect the group. And it, it was very upsetting to him because he's like, you don't need to work this out because you, they could feel the tension in the room. And, and so his sophomore year wasn't as good as his freshman year, but he's learning about life, right? We learn it. Things don't stay the same. But that was just an example of like why conflicts need to be resolved because it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the two people that are in conflict, right? It affects everybody. So my question is, what about you this morning? Coming to you. Do you have conflict with someone that you need to deal with? Or do you have a particular challenge that you're going through this morning? How are you dealing with it? Are you bringing it to the Lord? Are you, are you working as much as you possible to be in unity with the Lord, in unity with one another? Paul has some important directions for you this morning. We're going to continue to read, starting with verse 4. Read with me. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says to rejoice in the Lord. He tells them twice. And my question is, are you kidding me? Paul's writing this book, this letter to the people felt by while he's in prison. It doesn't seem interesting. He's in prison. And he's telling the church in Philippi to rejoice. I find that amazing. I mean, Paul, Paul, and we're going to talk about why. And yet Paul's attitude is a, it's a valuable lesson to us. Because it, it teaches us that our inner attitudes are not dependent on our outward circumstances. i, I got to say that again. You write this down, okay? Our inner attitudes are not dependent on our outward circumstances. Paul was full of joy because he knew no matter what happened, Christ was with him. And Paul's solution for life's challenges and the anxiety that it brings is better than any pill you can take. 
any drink, you can drink. When we rejoice in the Lord, we're reminded that God is greater than any situation that we're going through. He's greater than combat. He's greater than race riots and looting. He's greater than natural disasters. He's greater than all those things. We begin to recognize, even in the midst of the world seeming out of control, that God is still in control. And God is just, and He answers prayer, and God will provide. Amen? Amen. I want you to notice the frequency of rejoicing. It says, always, rejoice always. Not some of the time, not when everything's going great. Rejoice always. So our rejoicing is not dependent on circumstances. The world receives rejoices when everything is good, right? So when everything was going good, before COVID, our stock market was through the roof. It's higher than it ever been. And a lot of folks were rejoicing, right? They weren't rejoicing when it crashed. And, and, and it, it will crash again, guys, okay? That's just part of life. But the world rejoices when everything is right. But we can rejoice in the midst of the mess. In the midst of COVID, in the midst of violence, in the midst of chaos all around us, we can still rejoice. Amen? And I say that because we need to remind each other, rejoice. I need to be reminded on Monday when I looked at my car with a tree on top of it, that I had my life. And God just said, listen, you're fine. You're in the basement with your family. The car can be replaced. You weren't in the car, okay? Just call your insurance. <laughs> you know, deal with it. You know, yes, it's a. But anyway, we need to remind. I needed to be reminded. The Lord was reminding me. So my question is, again, what about you? Are, are would you say you're known for rejoicing, or or, or, or for grumbling and complaining? I'm looking around. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Some of us have like the grumble and complain. We we need to be encouraged. All the time. Alright? We need to be able to rejoice. And so speak the truth and ask the Lord. And so if you find yourself grumbling and you find yourself complaining, ask the Lord to help you be a more joy-filled person. Ask your Lord to remind you of, of the many blessings that He gives. Ask the Lord to help you rejoice in Him. Okay? I'm gonna move on because I'm meddling in some people's business right now. <laughs> Uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The ESV version says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You know, now, reasonableness is crucial for maintaining community. It's a disposition that seeks to do what's best for everyone and not just for yourself. In other words, you're not just thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the greater body. And that's a piece, that's a piece that makes no sense Humanly speaking, okay? Because peace I'm talking about, a lot of people are like, how can you have peace? Because God is in control. It's, it's beyond me. It's, it's, it's because He gives us that peace. And that's a peace we can't manufacture on our own. We can only receive it from the Lord. Amen? So let's read our final verses for this morning. Verse 8. Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Amen. And then that's the word of the, the word of the Lord. The reality is whatever we allow our minds to dwell on, 
we will eventually, eventually come out in what we say and what we do. We become what we think. Garbage in, garbage out. You know, that's why we talk about this. We talked to, to our, our youth about it before, but we were talking about the music they listen to. And, 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 and you know, and I've talked about rap before. I'm not down on rap. You guys, I told you guys, it's about the lyrics. It's about the lyrics, okay? So I know some straight-out Christian rappers that are awesome. But I also know there's some lyrics and some rap that is just, that, that's Satan stuff. You know, that, that's just, you don't want to listen to that and take that in. As you take it in and you act it out, right? And so it's garbage in, garbage out. So we have to be really careful what we take in. I have to be careful when I'm on the internet on what I click on. I mean, you, it's, I just one click away, guys, right? It's one click away. I saw some ad for, for my uh, charter boat cap that I was looking at fishing at. I looked at the, the ad the advertisement, this little video, and I just, and I said, man, that looks like porn. I ain't clicking on that. And then I, mean, I have to train myself, you know, to look, because some of this stuff, it sneaks up, it pops up on you. And so what I'm saying, you have to be really careful what you take in. And you have to also know when to flee. I'm saying that I'm talking to the men now, okay? There's sometimes you just gotta walk the other way. You know, there's some things we don't need to see. And there's a lot out there. You know, when it comes to summer, a lot of clothes come off. I, I gotta walk the other way, guys. I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not even going down there, you know, down that road. And so we have to be careful what we take in. Because it's good stuff in, good stuff out. And you might say, well, I can't control what I think on. But that's not true. That is not true. You have to train yourself. And then you have to have accountability as well. You know, you have to have another, if you got another person in your life asking you what you read this week, that's why guys, we talk about accountability. We need it. We need somebody to ask us those questions. Because we could easily fall prey to those things. So, as I said, um, you have a choice and you can train yourself in this area. And you don't have to watch all that junk that is out there. Amen? Amen. I've encouraged you guys, and I've, I've talked to a lot of our seniors, because seniors have a lot of time, they watch a lot of news, too much news. I have to tell them sometimes, guys, you, I mean, you, hearts, you need to turn that off. Because the news has an agenda too, okay? And, and a lot of times it's just bad news, bad after story, after negative story, after, it, it's enough. So I, there's times where we have to turn it off. We turn it off in our house, it's, no, that's enough. Enough. And so, um, so anyway, he goes on, he talks about whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. And then he talks about the things that you've seen and received from me and heard from me, put them into practice. So we talked about this last week about imitating, you know, having someone that you imitate, another believer that's a little further along, you might see a part of their walk, maybe it's a part of their, their prayer area of prayer where they're strong in, the area that you need to grow, you need to imitate that. You need to, it says, so he says, put these things into practice. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something again and, and uh, put my wife on the spot so she doesn't know about this. But I'm going to give her a little shout. So Mary Ellen and I, when we came together, and I've already told you this, you can congratulate her today, uh, 27 years of marriage, it's at August 7th. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary. When I first met Mary Ellen, she was much further along in her walk than I was. When I, when I came to this church in 1990, I, I was not yet saved. I came to Christ in this church in 1990. So I was 30 years old when I came to, came to Christ. 
I didn't mean I've never been in a church. I, I grew up in church, but I hadn't given up and had surrendered my life to Christ till that time. So she was much further ahead in, in, in her walk. You know, so I mean, the issue of tithing, when we got married, there was no issue. She, she knew right off the top, first check, gross, bam, it's in there. So I didn't have, there was no discussion. It was just done. But one of the things that, what I want to talk to you about, that strikes me about her, and I, I see this every day, Mary Ellen needs three things in the morning when she gets up. She needs a cup of coffee. Don't, don't talk to her before she gets her coffee. Okay? <laughs> needs a cup of coffee. She needs quiet. She needs her Bible. We have a kitchen and we have a back porch area. That's, that's her area. She goes out there. She can see her garden from there. She's got a little bird feeder. She wants the birds. Um, so I get the coffee ready. That's my job. Get the coffee ready. Sometimes I pour the coffee. And then, then my job is to not speak. That's really hard for a pastor. <laughs> so I can't say I always do that well. My wife is gentle with me. I mean, sometimes she just, she just, uh, sometimes she just pull up the door. <laughs> Give me the message. But, you know, I understand. I learned. I understand. And, um, but, you know, I marvel because sometimes she doesn't know, but I'm watching her. And I'm just amazed. I mean, she's back there. She's got her hymnal. She's singing some songs to the Lord. She's worshiping the Lord. She's reading scripture. And she just has her time. And, and so she's a, your model for me. You don't know that, but you are in that area. And, uh, and, and that's how we need to be for one another. We need someone. And so I, I encourage you. I've talked about this the last several weeks. I said, find someone. Might be a friend. Might be a family member. Might be someone in our church that you can imitate in that, that area, in that area, area of walk. We're all, we all have areas where we're strong, areas where we, we need to imitate those things. And we need to exhort one another to continue to grow in, those, in, the, in the areas, you know, because we're not there yet, right? And as we said last week, we're not going to be there until God calls us home. But we can continue to grow. So in closing, um, Paul says it's okay to imitate people who do a good job of following the Lord. He says, follow his example. And, and so what did the Philippians see in Paul? Well, they saw him putting the gospel first. They saw him rejoicing and suffering. He's rejoicing while he's in, in prison. They saw him singing while persecuted, being devoted to prayer. Those are good things to emulate, aren't they? And so my question is, are there some people that you know, perhaps in your life or at our church, that are setting a good example and would be good to emulate them? And so... If you see that, one, I want you to tell them that. Is that a blessing? Because a lot of times we're not even aware of what our gifts are. We need to hear it. It's an encouragement. That's why I tell the worship team, encourage them. You know, you were blessing us even in your rehearsal this morning. You need to hear that. But tell them and then do it. Then apply it to your life. Because it's not enough to say it. We need to do it. Lastly, Paul promises God's true peace. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story here. Sometimes God removes the storm in your life. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God chooses to bring you through the storm. And if we're in honest, that's when we grow the most. When God brings you through that storm, that's when we grow the most in our walk with him. That's when we draw near to him. And so don't be discouraged if he doesn't remove the storm. Sometimes he's teaching you more as he brings you through it. The reality is when we put the things into practice that we've talked about today, we can experience a peace that is beyond our circumstance, 
circumstances, a peace that makes no earthly sense, that's true peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your offer of true peace. And I, I pray for our church that we would experience that true peace. Lord, it is so easy to give in to fear. There's so much fear out there. And I know it's, it's tough. I mean, I admire the folks that are even here today. I know there's some folks that are home that are not yet with us because there's fear there. And I understand that. But Lord, I know that you're, you're not a God of fear. And so I pray that you help us. Lord, and help us help them and help us experience your peace. And help us to encourage one another to, to, to go to you for that peace. Because it's we get that peace from you, and you alone can give us that peace. So Lord, help us to press into our relationship with you so that we can experience and have that peace that is beyond all, all circumstances, Lord, beyond all imagination. And Lord, for those listening today, I want to that don't know Christ, maybe you're here this morning and you've not yet put your trust in Christ. I have to be honest with you, you cannot experience it yet experience that peace. But God wants you to. And the way that you can do that is to simply admit the reality of your situation. The reality that those of us that know Christ in this room is very simple. We know that we're sinners. We all sin. We sin in the things we do. We sin in the things that we don't do that we ought to do. But we need to tell God what he already knows. You need to tell God that you're a sinner. And you need to ask him for forgiveness of your sins. In other words, repent. He says to repent, which means to make it turn around, turn towards him, turn from your sin and turn to him. And you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness of your sins and to ask him into your heart as your Lord and your Savior. That's where it starts. So I want to encourage you, if you're watching this at home, to take that step of faith. If you're here today and you have not taken that step, I encourage you to do that now. Today is the day of salvation. And ask the Lord into your heart so that you can begin to experience His true peace, His peace that is beyond our circumstances. I pray that for you. I pray this all together in Jesus' name. Amen. Philip's going to lead us in a closing song and then I'll close up our service.